so now we are on a hunt for children. Exactly. Yeah, so that's going to be the... Burn a yacht. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah burn a yacht. Yeah. Here we go. So what are we looking at now, Rika? Yeah, if you can look at this, there's uh, two children um, just stepping a little bit behind the group and then just exploring, walking on um, a big old oak tree and they're having a conversation. And one of them's got a strawberry hat on. Yeah, and a stick. Yeah. As a new day unfolds in Denmark, many children across the country start their morning in a makeshift classroom amongst the trees. Come rain or shine, these young children are sent off to the middle of the forest to spend their day climbing on logs and playing in mud. To some, this might sound strange and far from the conventional idea of an education, but in Denmark it has a long history and it's actually pretty common. Hello and welcome to What the Denmark. If you haven't already guessed, in this episode we're going to be talking about Skolburner Hill or forest kindergartens. To find out what forest kindergartens actually are, I visited Bonsai Skolburner Hill, one of Denmark's many forest schools. We'll be talking about what it's actually like for children who attend these schools how they developed in Denmark, and we'll also hear some insights about forest schools in the UK as well. So let's find out why so many Danish parents send their four-year-olds off to the trees. This is the top floor, so yeah. we have the office and meeting spaces here for parents, teachers' conversation and management. We are outdoor school and most of our time we are using outside yeah. from Easter to um, our autumn holiday. We are almost outside 100% of the week. This is Rika Rosengren, or Rika Rosengren. She's the manager and co-founder of Bonsai, a Waldorf forest kindergarten and nursery in Denmark, which she opened 23 years ago. As well as working and teaching in this field for many years, Rika has also published several books on the topic. Rika offered to show me around. Okay, so we're stepping outside. Yeah, we're stepping outside in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And um, we are so fortunate that we can just go direct out to the forest. And this forest is nine kilometers from central of Copenhagen, mm-hmm. uh, so it's quite f- uh, close to the city. It's a very old forest. Mm-hmm. It's a small forest, but very old. We have old oaks for nearly more than two to three hundred years old. Oh, cool. And it's the most visiting forest in Denmark. Really? Yeah. Most yeah. forest? Yes. Well, what's the... Um Translation in English because it's Burner Hill, it sort of means kindergarten. Kindergarten, so is it yeah. sort of forest kindergarten? Is that yeah. how you yeah. uh, trans- talk about it internationally, or do you call it forest school, or, or what's the? Yeah, we, we actually uh, use the term forest kindergarten okay. um, because, even, even because we yeah. are also nurseries, so we are yeah. more than a kindergarten because yeah. in Denmark we say nursery. And then we say kindergarten for the older children. Yeah. So we call this a forest school. Mm. Yeah. In Denmark, nursery is for children aged one to three, kindergarten for three to six, and then they start school at six years old. So the children attending this forest school are all fairly young. 
We have a bus from Copenhagen and um, that bus brings about 40 children from Copenhagen city. Oh, okay, so the, the kids live in the city? Yes. Most of them live in apartments? Uh, yeah. yeah. So our vision from the beginning was that we want to, to give children in Copenhagen the opportunity to be out in the nature every day. Mm -hmm. So we started up with this two group of, um, of uh, children which all came from Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. And then when we had to expand, we uh, opened up that children could also be coming from this area. Yep. So we have 50% of, of the Schilderton-Lund area, Gentofte Kommune, yep. and then we are 50% of Copenhagen. And yep. then there's also coming people from long distance to okay. take, bring the really? children what, here. What's, what's the longest distance someone uh, comes? It's been 50 kilometers. 50 kilometers? Yeah, yeah, Every yeah. day? Yeah. How long does that take? Like? It takes like maybe 45 minutes. Oh yeah, to why, why do they drive so long to get here? Because for some parents, maybe they, they go into work here anyway. That could mm. be one option. But okay. also because I think that they want this so badly, that they want this experience mm. for the children. It appears that some Danish parents will go to great lengths to ensure their children can go to one of these forest schools. So I'm intrigued about what all the fuss is about. What is it that the kids actually do out here all day in the forest? We are starting our bus tour in the morning at 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And then they arrive here at, at 8.50. And then we have four groups. Yep. And we have a different base for them. So maybe this could be a base over here. Mm, okay. And then we bring out all our um, small sort of um, cloth for the table. And we decorate yeah. it so it's sort of nice and homey. Yeah. And they have a little different, different toys, and we have drawing material. We we can paint. We can do many things outdoor. Mm. Yeah. Many things as you do indoor, you we can do it outdoors as well. So we make like we call it outdoor classroom. Drawing, playing, and painting outside in the forest sounds like a lot of fun. But I'm curious about how much formal learning the children are doing, and whether things like reading and writing are given any focus. At nine o'clock, we start the day where we meet each other mm -hmm. and we say hello to each other with standing in a circle in, mm -hmm. in their group. And then we have morning circle games and we are singing and we are dancing and we are using our small motorical skills and the bigger, grosser yep. motorical skills. And we are using themes which are from the outside right now. So now we are singing about harvest and fruits and everything which is in this season yep. of the year and just that is so much uh, learning opportunities yep. for their movement and their social commitments that they're standing in a group in a circle mm -hmm. and this uh, they are imitating the adults uh, yep. using things and their language skills as well because new words and things are coming through the songs yeah and then after that, uh, when we have the morning circle program, we are having a snack time where we also sit around and we eat the same things. Mm -hmm. We are making rye bread and apples for them for the snack time. Yeah. And then we have free play. And when there is free play, there's things to do. Mm -hmm. You can go maybe and use, uh, there's um, one adult over to the woodworking craft. They can go there if they want. Mm -hmm. Maybe they can go and paint. Yeah. Maybe they can go and collect things. Maybe one teacher say, let's go out and maybe we can find uh, some insects or some some some, some something. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll go out and do that. So that is free to play where we can 
use our creativity okay. and um, they are digesting a lot of the experiences through their play. Okay, well, so what do you mean by that? If they, we have story time mm. and we are telling them a fairy tale or a story, then they like to go over afterwards and play mm. it out or mm. just to digest it, yeah, what they experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, also some children which are um, overstimulating, it's mm. very good to sort of find some calmness in, yeah. uh, to have some real tools and a lot of things to play. But we don't want it to be too many things either. Mm -hmm. So we are trying to create an environment where it makes sense. But it isn't just the playing that happens outdoors. When Rika told me that the children do everything outside, she wasn't kidding. So then we all have to go to toilets outside where we bring out. Oh, so and we all the kids go to the toilet outside? Yeah, we have this uh, special uh, outdoor toilet which we homemade. That yeah. We have these buckets and then we make like a toilet room in the nature. So we sort of put some cloth around some yeah. trees and then we put two buckets and then we have bring out hot water yeah. so they can wash their hand outdoors as well oh. and soap and everything. Why do you... See that? It's because if we had to go all the way in with the group all the time, we would mm. spend so much time. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's also freedom because you can go down to the ocean, you can go a longer way, so you don't have to yeah. think about that you have to be close to the house. Yeah. You have more freedom in that way. Did you uh, develop this straight away? Yeah, straight away. So, so like yeah. 22 years ago, yeah. you are like, yeah. we need to do this. Yeah, straight away. Yeah. Because it just makes so much sense to yeah. do it that way. And they're very comfortable about it. Yeah. And they, uh, because we protect them, and so it's mm. just not standing in the middle of everything. It's yeah. like uh, in a protected area and there's adults around them and stuff. So they're really yeah. um, feeling good about that. Yeah, and then we have lunch and we eat mm. the same food, all the children. Oh, yes, I see, yeah. So it's very vegetarian and... Uh, good products, biodynamic, organic, and uh, simple food. So oh, wow. we have warm food every day. Yeah. And, um, and so do, do they, they eat the lunch? To, back outside. At, okay, so they're still outside? Yeah, still outside. But where did this idea of children spending all day outdoors in nature begin? Humans have, of course, been outside with their children in nature since prehistoric times, but the notion of a formal learning institute is something different. The first forest school in Denmark was established in 1952 by a woman called Ella Flatou, after she began taking her children out for regular walks in a nearby forest. Ella and some other local parents then formed what was known as a walking kindergarten, and the first forest school which put child-led, play-based learning at the centre was born. What she did was just that she have some two children and they like to go to the forest every day with them before lunch. And then there were some more children that also want to come. She said, why don't you come? And then she just started and she could see wow, what the nature could actually do. And then she just grew bigger and bigger. Mm. And then she sort of formally went to the Danish government and said, I want to start a school. No, you didn't, do it. you didn't need to do that in those days. Okay, you just right. did it like, and then maybe parents paid a little bit of things for the food or something. It was just like, yeah. she was, uh, it was not that, uh, the beginning, it was not so uh, strict with all those things. Yeah. It's, uh, when I started 22 years ago, it was also so much easier to really? open up a school. We didn't have so many regulations at all. 
but now it's changed a lot. So it's taken taken big efforts. I'm yeah. starting up a new school now up in North. Uh, it's just like so many regulations, so expensive to start up a school. Really? Yeah. You cannot just start a forest school anymore if you don't have a house. And you have to have the same square meter of a house if you're ever in a city. So you have to pay, even if you're outdoor, 80 oh, really? times, I have, we have to pay for this indoor. <laughs> even if you don't want to be indoor, we have to pay for it. What? Okay, wait, so yeah. the government says you've got to have a this many square meters for per each child. child yeah. Um, and so that if you've got 10 children, it'll be something. And if you've got yeah. 50 children, it needs yes. to be, 50, it'll be yes. five times yeah. bigger. Yeah. Okay. When you're working outdoor as a school, we need a lot of equipment mm. um, to be out. And it's also getting damaged a little because it's it's rough. Yeah. So we have sort of two vacuums that we bring out every day. And so we have so a lot of things, but we also have to have a nice thing indoor. Yeah. So we have to have double up. We have to have more teachers because when you're outdoor, it, it needs that. Mm. So it's also costing a lot, but it will make sense if we didn't have to pay for a big rent, which we didn't yeah. actually using, you understand? So yeah. then, well, that's just how it is. And so you've got a mat down here, like a, it's yeah. like a big picnic yeah. rug. We're making like an outdoor classroom in mm. the forest. We're helping the children to make a, a smaller space in the big forest with mm. creating a place where they can draw, a place where they can have a hammock so they can relax, yeah. a place where they can eat and have a snack, a place where they can do wooden work. So, so we're doing those small uh, camps so they can mm. settle in. And, the, and that's in the free play that they can go and choose to do these sort yeah. of activities. With so much freedom given to the children around which activities they want to do, I was curious about whether the Danish government has any educational guidelines that these schools are obliged to follow. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar on sort of preschool education, but this idea of like a curriculum, certain things that by the time a child reaches school, they should be able to count and mm. know their alphabet. Mm, mm. Is that mm. part of the mm. system in Denmark that, mm. that by the time a child start school they need to have been able to do these things or is mm. that not how it works? We have a curriculum in Denmark called layer plane and we have to go through all the language skills and we have to make sure there's a nice environment, the, the motorical skills and mm. movement, nature. There's so, some subject there that we have to work with all the time, even if they're in the city. And that's the, the, the government, yeah, we so the education yeah. department yeah. says yeah. this yeah. must be done. And we have to follow them even if Either if you are a city school, or if you yeah. are a natural school, or if you are uh, on a farm, or in, you're in a forest, whatever, you have to sort of bring that into your program. Yeah. So we have to ensure that that is uh, happening. Mm. The government is, is also coming to visit and see how are you doing it, and we have to sort of document our work for yeah. the government in that sense. Because the government also pay money to the institutions, so to get that money and license, you have to have mm. that. But I think we are having our own system as well. We also see where are the individual child. Mm. Some child are very good at defining motorical skills and they practice in that. But maybe we also have to sort of inspire them to learn other uh, mm. things. So we are having an individual plan for each child. What matters for us is that each child, that they are happily and fulfilled when they're turning five and have to go to school mm. so they can feel good about themselves and also be curious about the world 
Mm. And that's the way that they will be able to learn later on. So we are making them ready for school where they have to sit down a lot and, yeah. you know. So that is our job to make them ready and also to have time to play and being curious about the world and feel good about themselves. Mm. So the mental health is a very big issue for us in our program. We also have children with special needs here and maybe they cannot do the same. They have to have a different program. Yeah. But still be in our program, but maybe have a little different task here or different. Mm -hmm. So we have this individual program too, but our aim is to have a we. We are together feeling. Yeah. We are one big family and we are helping each other and we are nice to each other. And so the children can land safely in themselves. Mm. But we are also in our song game counting and we are also speaking some little language and some difficult words sometimes, but we are not explaining things. We are doing it together. So it doesn't matter for us if a child can count to 50 or 50 or 100 before they leave our school. The most important for us is actually that the child have good self-confidence mm. and also can are curious for learning. Yeah. Then it, that is our, our aim to fulfill that before mm. they go to school. Yeah. And when they go to school, mm. are there forest schools uh, where mm. we're sort of from the age of six I guess they it's a similar environment but it's mm, it's not there yet no okay. now we have a uh, school out, outdoor schools yeah. starting but it's very new and um, I haven't heard of them yeah. maybe there's some that I haven't heard of it but I haven't heard of any sort of forest school 100% yet yeah. but I think it will come why do you think it will come because now we have the research that the children actually learn a lot better and more when they're outdoors, when they have more space. Because there's the, the Rudolf Steiner, that was like a philosophy education person yeah. from uh, Germany, I think. Yeah. It seems to be very much sort of, we call it sort of alternative schooling yeah. in, in, in the UK, yeah. where you're, it's not a, necessarily a classroom setting, mm, it's these mm. small groups, etc. Mm. Would forest schools be a sub? Mm. part of that school or would it be a separate yeah. thing? It's totally separate. I think there's okay. water schools can be classroom schools as well. So all water schools are inspired by the philosopher Wolof Steiner. Yeah. which uh, made some very interesting way of how to make the best circumstances of how the children can learn. So mm. he, one example is that in the morning it's good to have all the the writing subjects and things for the brain. And then mm. in the middle of the day, you can do, do digesting, you can do sort of uh, all the more feeling-like things. And then in the afternoon, you should move your legs because you're tired, so you should move, yeah. have movement and sports and stuff like that. That's just one thing that he was inspiring people to look at mm. when you're doing education of the children. But forest education is a different thing. Mm. We are just here, we are out of kindergarten but we are also a forest school. So we are two things. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we are trying to meld those two things together. So there's so many forest schools which are not, have nothing to do with Wardorf and so many Wardorf schools which have nothing to do with the forest. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. so what would a, a forest school that doesn't have anything to do with Wardorf, how would that look different mm, to you, what you're doing? I think when we make an outdoor classroom, we make sure that we have sort of cloth in the trees and hanging chairs and sort of small room in the space. Yeah. I think other forest schools will just go out in the forest and not think so much about the aesthetic and the environment in that sense. Mm, okay. And then we have our toys and our the, the book we choose is more sort of uh, 
uh, wood and natural material and stuff like that. But I think to do the woodworks is still is something they do in in ward of school, but they also do it in forest school, I think. Mm. And we're doing this rhythmical day is very ward of. Okay. And they don't necessarily do that in a normal forest school. Every day in the week, we also have a subject. Mm-hmm. Paint on Monday, bake on Wednesday, and yeah. go on tour on Tuesday. And I don't think they have that structure. If all this talk of kids playing freely in nature has got you thinking, maybe I want my children to attend a forest school, then you're in luck. Denmark needs international people to move here and work. Being a small country, there's only so much tech and other talent that's available, and lots of aspiring Danish companies are actively trying to hire internationals. These companies typically work in English, often are doing something interesting, and working for them means you get to live in one of the happiest countries in the world, with perhaps a forest school around the corner. If listening to What the Denmark has piqued your interest in the country, then go check out the State of Denmark's website, There you can sign up to job alerts from Danish companies looking for internationals and read more about what your everyday life in Denmark could be. Head to www.state-of-denmark.com forward slash WTD. The link is also in the show notes if you like. Now, back to the show. In researching this episode, I found that forest schools are becoming increasingly popular around the world, especially in the UK. But these new schools popping up across my home country often only involve the kids going out into the forest once a week or once a fortnight. But does this really count as a forest school? And is there a distinction or characteristic about what makes an actual forest school? I asked Rika what her thoughts were on this. I wrote a book called Child of Nature, where I found a lot of research about what is actually the background of forest education. You have to have the freedom to call it what you want. But mm. And I also think it's much better to go out in the forest once a week than never come out to the forest. Yeah. So if you have that opportunity, I think it's good. But I will say, if you can enjoy being outside in the forest and bring enjoyment and happiness and freedom and good experience for the children, then you have a forest school. But it's like, what do I can see if you are in the woods and in the nature with the children for a longer period of time, they will just dive into it. Their play will be much more sort of deep. So it will not be sort of, what is that? What is it? That is sort of the curiosity Mm. from the beginning. And the child will naturally do that in the beginning of a new environment. But if they have been having the same environment for a while, they can sort of relax about it. sort of like an onion where you can take some things off and yep. you go into the essence. Yeah. So it's not just on the surface, it would be more deep mm. experience. Coincidentally, our producer on this episode, Anna, also has a close connection to forest schools. Her dad, Tim, is a forest school leader in a mainstream primary school in England, where, along with English and maths classes, the children also get access to one hour of forest school a week. We spoke to Tim about some of the similarities and differences of forest schools in the UK and Denmark. I've been a primary school teacher for about 25 years and I've been a forest school teacher for the last 10 years, working mostly with children aged between 7 and 11. But I've also done private sessions with groups of refugee families 
The school where I've been working is in northeast Essex. It's actually on the coast and hasn't got much green space within it. We are very lucky to have a little bit of woodland on the edge of the school playing field. So in this school, each class would get half a term in the year doing forest school. So it was it was only a taste of it. It meant that everybody got a go in each year, which is a good amount as a starter. The important thing is that they are doing something because a lot of kids don't get to go outside. They don't get to be in a natural setting. And there's lots of research to show how beneficial it is physically and mentally to be spending a couple of hours out in in nature, out in the woods. A lot of these children come from quite difficult backgrounds and it's a change from everything else that you do, which is classroom-based where you're expected to sit still. In the forest school, you've got a lot more freedom. You can choose the activities you're doing. Behaviour tends not to be a problem. Children who struggle in the classroom will be completely different out in the woods. And it's it's just always a remarkable thing for the teachers to see the change in their class. If they come as well, we'll notice how good it is for those children who especially find it hard to behave appropriately in the classroom all the time. And there have been some children whose parents have said they don't want them to do it because they get muddy and wet and most parents are very supportive. I mean, I've had some parents who have really noticed, again, noticed a change in the child after they've started doing forest school. Even though they come home wet and muddy, they can see how happy the children are and how much they've got out of it. So they're, they're, they're very supportive. When I've worked with uh, groups of refugee families, there have been parents with babes in arms, and grandparents as well, all coming along, all joining in with the activities and enjoying being in the woods and relaxing and feeling more at peace there than they, they can in a lot of other places. There's evidently a lot of benefits to children attending forest schools, but I also wanted to ask Rika if there were any downsides to this type of education or any reasons why this might not be the best setting for some children. I think we have to um, consider that uh, the children need protection. It can be a rough environment. Uh, so we need to have the right clothes, the right gear, the right organization, and we have to have the teachers who also love to be outside. Because if the teachers doesn't just stand there and are freezing yeah. and are not enjoying it, it's not a good environment for the child to look at. Yeah. So the enjoyment has to come from the teachers. They are the role model. Mm. And that, that, so I think we have to educate the teachers to, to, to like to be outside. Mm. And it's a very interesting subject because most of my teachers, when I have them in practicums and stuff like that, when they come here, ooh, are you outside the whole winter? And they're like, and then when they have tried it, they're like, oh my God, I could do that. And it was so much easier. There was not so much noise. And I had more energy when I came back home because yeah. I have not been inside this classroom all day long. Yeah. So they can see the benefits. But we need to, to, to sort of um, educate the teachers to see it in that way. 
And how much did it cost for uh, a child to come here? Uh, for the kindergarten, around um, 3,800. So nearly 4,000 Danish crown to, to be here. Okay, so that's yeah. about, uh, about 500 euros a month. Yeah, with the food and bus. With food and bus. And nappies and everything. It's all included. All included, yeah. okay. And is that um, sort of similar to what it would be in a non-forest yeah, school? Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit more expensive, but that's because we provide bus and food. Mm, yeah, okay. yeah. Yep. But it also depends on which kind of commune, which state you're living yep. in, because uh, in uh, some they're very low and some high. So we are we're taking the Copenhagen states and using yep. those uh, quotes. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Because the government supports, so yeah. the government pays. Yeah, we get some of it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get around sixty percent more than the parents pay for each child. Yeah, yeah. And so, just going back to the reason why you might not want to, if you're saying the the price is similar to other mm. um, kindergartens, it's not that this is exclusive because of the price. It's, no, it's not like no. it's just like three times more expensive. No, than no. A, and more. also, if you are a student or if you are unemployed, you mm. will also get the paid from the government. Okay. Uh, even if we are a private school, but they are still paid. So we still have uh, single parents and uh, yeah. students uh, and stuff like that. Or if they have a low income or mm. some for some reason, they will get that some of the reduced price from the state. Rika mentioned there's been research to show the benefits of forest schools. But I was curious about whether there have been any studies directly comparing forest schools and mainstream indoor schools. There's one um, researcher, they studied a group of children for three years. One mm. was in a very, very nice playground with really, like, like ours in there, with a lot of different nice environment, and mm. some was outdoor every, t- every time. And what they found out is that the children outdoor was much, well, could sit better still when they went to school, mm. and they were better of their play, the fantasy, and the concentration much, much better. Mm. And they couldn't find things, and so they were, had because they had the space in the forest, mm. they were able to uh, to attend school better than mm. the one who has been on the playground. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So things like that, and I have so many stories, which is also still, like uh, like there's some of the children who, when they go into the city and they start school, they don't move so much. So the parents come and tell me, oh my gosh, because they actually put on weight, and yeah. if they they look different now, and they're not so strong anymore. I said, no, you have to go out to the forest in the weekend. They have to use themselves because here they're just used to, like mm. it's, they are, you know, using themselves so much. Yeah. And um, so the parents can actually see they have to keep up afterwards. Otherwise it will just be yeah. not good for their health. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it's some natural routines we have here, which you can actually see afterwards that, okay, then the child, parents have to go out with them more. Yeah. Because when they're in a forest school, when they come back home, then maybe they need to play inside because they've been outdoor all the time, you yeah, know? Yeah. But then when they're finishing here, you have to do the opposite. As we started walking back through the forest, passing through the garden where the children help grow and harvest vegetables, Rika revealed something that I found quite surprising. So you can see over here is, um, is our garden. And we are, now there's a lot of tomatoes and a lot That's of it, basil yeah. and a lot of things. So we use those things to go make the garden with the gardening work with the children, but also to make the harvest and then put it on the pizza. Nice, so they go and pick the tomatoes. Yeah. An adult chops them? Yeah, no, no, they chop them they themselves. Chop them. Yeah. How, yeah. How old are they? Three years old. Okay. They start to do chopping the vegetables. Yeah. With the help with the adult, yeah. with the teachers. So they yeah. you give the, kid, the three-year-old? Knives. Knives, and yeah. they 
Yeah, small sort of work knives to begin with, yeah. and we also do wood crave with knives. So Woodcraft. they start, yeah. yeah, you start with the smaller knives, and mm. then they getting a real knife when they sort of when they have the skill for it. All right. Mm. Did any of the parents get a bit uncomfortable with that? Very few times yeah. I had a, a question about it, mm. uh, but we are also very aware that we have to make the right environment. They're not allowed to just, just take the knives themselves, yeah. you know. We have to sit around them and we have mm. uh, some steps that they need to be aware of, mm. of how to sit and how to be with the knife. And there's yeah. a lot of rules about it too, yeah. how to use it, but they really like it. And they sit and concentrate for so long time. Yeah. Yeah. They really enjoy it. Oh, wow. Yeah. You mentioned these rules. Like, yeah. Where do the rules come from? As in, is there a... It's some... That it, it's a, a, we are... Exa- are you developing them yourself? Or? Yeah, we're developing ourselves so it makes sense for us. Yeah. So if we um, are having uh, a session with knives and maybe there's a group who thinks, oh, we think it's a little bit uncomfortable, yeah. then we talk about it for a meeting. Okay, how can we... Uh, we what, be, we yeah. the teachers. Yeah, with yeah. the teachers. Like, why do we actually want to make wood work with the with a group of children? What, what's good about it? What is our mm. goal about it? Yeah. And then how do we make sure that it's a safe environment for the children? Yeah. So, so we have to always talk about the vision and goal, but also about how to make it mm a good environment and safe environment for yeah. the child. Can I know little little why I tell? I want a two. What a two. So do I so do I eat or me again? Yeah, yeah, two. Leave for three years. Leave for With Denmark being one of the first countries to establish forest schools, researchers and educators from all over the world travel to the country to learn more about their model. We have a lot of visitors which are coming from universities, uh, government, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually also from England and um, also from Japan and Singapore. And they are just interested in how can we make some uh, better circumstances for our early childhood schools in their countries. And they are, I think because of all this, the benefits of that we can see that it's um, the health benefits, mm. it's so much better bigger when being outdoor than indoor. And this is is Uh, physical and mental. Yeah, yeah. I'm teaching actually a lot of teachers from abroad. Mm. So I'm doing these online courses and I'm doing this mentoring where they can come here and they can be presented what how we're doing here and then get a mentor here. So I'm doing this uh, program. I've been teaching a lot in Los Angeles where we I go over there Mm. and then they come here with a group from Santa Monica College where they're doing the degree of being a teacher, but they want to have this special knowledge about the forest education too. Yeah. So it's it's the professors coming, but it's also the students coming. Many different people actually coming uh, yeah. to uh, have the the curiosity of of uh, how they can bring more nature in into the education system. Mm. And so they see how you do you guys do it here. They then go back, and what are they trying to? Uh, I don't say convert their kindergartens into forest kindergartens or are they just mm. yeah is, is, or are they looking to start I think it's two anymore? things there's something about the philosophies that they want to learn why just the thing is why are you doing this rhythmical day how yeah. can we learn to do that how can we help with the conflicts things so a lot of the pedagogically foundation they want to have the knowledge of but I think also I don't think that they they're going back home and and changing everything 100% radical change at home, but they are maybe taking some pieces.
As both Rika and Tim mentioned, it appears you don't even need a big forest on your doorstep to be able to help children feel the benefits of forest school-style learning. We have also some businesses from New York and Tokyo, and they're saying, we don't have the forest out there, what can we do? Yeah. And that's my point, that we can use nature anywhere we are. Go down to the park, find a little spot and just go there, or just walk with the children. And if you live in a city, then bring the children out to parks, so find some spots. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point, isn't it, that a lot of your kids, they live in the city, yeah. and yet they still are able to have a forest education yeah. because you provide a bus. Yeah. Because I can imagine that being sat in a city, you might feel, well, there's, this is just something that's not available mm. to me. Mm. But actually, you just get a bus and mm. go to a forest. Mm. Exactly. Set, yeah. I met um, uh, a school and uh, they were in Brooklyn and mm. uh, they didn't have much nature there. And then I encouraged them to, why don't you just take the train mm. and then go over to this park and then you can stay there for three hours and then maybe the parents can pick up there. So yeah. you can sort of be creative or yeah. maybe you can walk somewhere. So, so I think it's, it's good to how, if we don't have it in our backyard, how can we actually attain it? Or can we make it more green in our backyard? Or yeah. can we make it more green in our school to bring some home to? As a, yeah. How can we change our environment where we are close to, but can we also visit some other places? Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Denmark. In the show notes, we have included various links to things we have spoken about, including more from Rika. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, then head to whatthedenmark.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for What the Denmark. A big thanks to Anna DeWolf for producing and Tevin Sudi for editing the show. As always, time for our Danish sign-off. Vi ses næste gang. So this is a nursery, but the cheap children are sleeping now, so it's a little bit difficult to see in. But it's they just sleeping in here. A lovely nap. Yeah. Is that a teacher sleeping as well? Yeah, maybe. Okay, no, just, right. <laughs> it's a, a very big child. <laughs> yeah, it's a teacher. <laughs>